I've asked one of our young people to share a kid's sermon time. So let's bring all the kids up here. And Arthur, would you come up, please? Come on, all the children, please. <coughs> Hello. You guys sit right down here for me. I'm going to sit with you. Face me. What are you doing? I'm talking to you. <laughs> Face me. Thanks. Alright, so basically what I'd like to start off saying is that we all, all of us, including your parents, have the choice to say anything we want. Literally right now, I know you guys have a smaller vocabulary, but out of that vocabulary you can say anything you want, right? Anything. So what I wanted to start out, and you don't have to if you're a little embarrassed, a little scared, I just want you to say anything into the mic. I'm going to start with you. Okay, I'll start. Um, I really, really, really like cheesecake. I have a very serious issue with cheesecake. <laughs> Why? Why? We got a why over here. Hmm. Why do you like that? Another why? Um, I'm, I guess I'll just answer it. It's really good. <laughs> um, I really love God and Jesus. That was a very nice thing to say. Those aren't words. Okay, she's trying to say no. You're sitting on your phone. I, I saved myself. Okay, so the reason I said that is, like I said, we, we do have the choice to say anything we want. And I want to read you guys a verse out of the Bible, which I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Bible is literally what God is saying. It's what he has spoken to us to hear. So remember that when I read it. Um, I'll read it and then I'll kind of explain it. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Basically what this is saying is the only thing that should come out of your mouth is should be for good. It shouldn't be hey, you're a poop head. No, it, it should be, hey, I like your shoes. I like your shirt, you know? Um, so I want to give you guys an example. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen someone at your school being mean to someone else. Just, just try to think of something, because I, I know we've all seen someone be mean to someone else. Um, I've done it myself, and I'm I'm very sorry for it, and I've asked God for forgiveness, but I'm sure some of us have even been mean to someone else. But as an example, you can see someone in your school maybe push another kid, and you have the option to stand up for that kid and say, hey, that's not right. You shouldn't have pushed him. Or you could just watch. You could maybe laugh along like it's it's funny to push someone and if you laugh along you're only encouraging 
So, what I ask that you guys remember is that you have the ability to not only change what people think about you by what you say, but you have the ability to change other people. Because that kid that pushed the other kid, he might have not known that that was wrong. And you guys know it's not right. So you can tell him, hey, that's not right. And maybe he'll take that and he won't do it again because now he knows. You guys got it? You want to say one more thing in the mic? No? Okay. All right, we'll go sit back down. Thank you, Arthur. Let's pray together as we go to the Word of God. Uh, Father, I, I pray that these next few minutes we spend together in your Word will be profitable to all of us. This is a, a huge topic for us again today as we go through the book of James. And a difficult topic, a difficult challenge uh, is put before us that uh, this verse that Arthur's just read, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what would build up others. Uh, that's a big, big thing. And uh, very tough for us to accomplish. So we ask that you would teach us today, Lord, that you would show us your way, and then you would empower and enable us to do this by your grace and by your spirit. Help us today as, as we explore your word together, and as we process this, as we uh, allow your Holy Spirit to translate this into our hearts. Uh, we open ourselves to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, our niece's 18-year-old son, our grandnephew, caught a tiger shark in the Gulf of Mexico near Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. A bunch of his buddies from football, uh, high school football, they're all getting ready to go to college now this fall. They decided to hang out together, and Craig loves to fish. So he went out fishing, and um, he went for the big fish. And he wasn't really looking for a shark necessarily, but he didn't care what he got as long as he got something big. They went for hours and hours and got nothing. So much so that eventually a couple of the buddies said, you know what, um, we got to go. We can't do this all day. So they left. Now there's one guy still left with Craig, and he gets a little tired. He says, I've got to go soon too, but go ahead and cast the line one more time. And when he did, this is what he snagged. This is what he got. And so for the next hour and a half, he fought this shark up to the beach. <laughs> and... Uh, Basically, he tamed the shark. He just outlasted him. Now, Craig is this guy right here. So he's not some small kid. He's uh, almost 300 pounds, 6 feet 4. He's got a scholarship to a college this fall for football and then for track in the spring. But he just wore this shark down. Eventually, he got up on the beach, as you can see. Other friends gathered. You know, this is a big thing to see. And the uh, shark was there, but he always throws fish back. So after they enjoyed this little victory, then they said, okay, you can go back to the water. And the shark says, I'm too tired to do that. <laughs> and so they spend the next 20 minutes throwing a bunch of water, you know, on his gills or whatever to, to revive him, eventually kind of coaxed him back into the Gulf of Mexico, and he eventually swam off. Now... I've caught a few sharks in my life, but they were two or three footers. I never even wanted to catch an eight-footer. Did you? 
I certainly didn't want to be ankle deep in water while I was pulling him in either. This is, this is a little bit different. But this is what Craig loves to do. And he has successfully brought several of these beasts to shore by wearing them down and gaining mastery over them. Now, why am I telling this story? Because this is what James says is one of his images, one of his pictures, that this thing in our mouth is a beast. It's a wild beast. And we must gain mastery over it. Let's go to our text for today. And we're continuing our Life App series in the book of James. We're now starting chapter 3. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Notice two things right off the bat in this passage. Kind of hold your Bible open there. First of all, it says the teachers, and therefore preachers of the word of God, are held to a higher standard than everyone else. And if you're a teacher or a preacher, that's an awesome thing to think about. That it truly is uh, something that will set you back and say, okay, I've just put myself in a position. I'm going to be judged more strictly, more stringently, more severely than everyone else because I, I put out the word of God for others. I give it out for others. And, and why is that? I, th I thought that through and I thought because teachers always learn the lesson better than everyone else if they're really learning the lesson. I mean, if you're really exploring, really researching, really getting ready to share, you have to get the lesson first before you can give it to anyone else. And so at the end of that lesson, you're without excuse. You know the lesson better than anybody and you're held to a higher standard. And our elders, our deacons, our teachers, our preachers among us all fit that bill. And if you are one of them, know that. So what you say has double the impact of maybe what someone else may say. So be very careful. The second thing that I want you to point out is our commonality, that we all stumble. And that, that's, that's the, the grace of this. That's the nice thing about this, that we all are in this boat together. We're all struggling with the same thing. We all have the same challenge. It is so common, so universal, that James eventually comments, you know, if somebody isn't making mistakes here, he's a perfect man. And there, there are no perfect men but Jesus. 
So what he's saying is, we're all in this. We're all struggling with this. You may go really well for the whole week, and then Saturday night when you're worn out, your wife says something to you, and you burst. You, you say something, and you say, man, I, I don't know where that came from. And then you regret it, and you try to make up for it. And hopefully she has enough grace to forgive you for that. No one in this room today, no one, there is an exception to this, could be one of the children, could be somebody that's the most godly person you know in this room. No one can say today that they have never made a mistake in what they said. This is a sin problem we share in common. And what we're studying about this morning is a universal challenge. And all of us have much to learn. Amen? Okay, so here's an overview, summary of what James is saying here. Look at the text as a whole. He describes the tongue as a restless evil full of deadly poison. And then he describes in metaphor what the tongue is like, what its power is like, for instance, the, the strength of it. You look at this picture. You see the horses, giant Clydesdales that are controlled by this bit in their mouth. You know, If you've got that in your mouth, you're going to do whatever the guy behind you tells you to do. He pulls the strings. He pulls you know, the, the, the reins, and you do what he tells you to do because it hurts if you don't. And the ship, giant ship, maybe even an aircraft carrier, is controlled by this thing at the back called the rudder. And it's one of the smaller parts of this thing, but all the engines, you know, they, they exert their influence here on this rudder, and it decides as the pilot turns that wheel, as he you know, moves the controls, the whole ship follows what that rudder says to do. That's how powerful your tongue is. It says it's like your whole body is controlled by this one part of the body. Or the fire. We all know that. There's currently some fires going on out west. That people are dying trying to fight these fires. And some of these fires start just because somebody carelessly threw a cigarette butt out the window of their car. Never thought about it. And so now thousands and tens of thousands of acres and the damage and the people, the loss of life as a result of that. And so James finally says, you know, I don't know what else to say. It's just a world of evil. <laughs> the biggest thing he could think of. That's how big this tongue problem is. It's just a small part of your body, but it's a whole world of evil looking to strike. And then finally says all kinds of wild beasts, whether they're elephants, liars, lions, uh, tigers and bears, or, or uh, killer whales, have been tamed. Someone has found a way to get that beast, that creature, to do their bidding. Um, you've been to the show at SeaWorld, maybe. <laughs> you've seen the person in the circus arena, you know, and he's, he's getting these giant creatures to do what he wants them to do. But who can tame the tongue? The tongue seems to be beyond taming. So the first point that James establishes is simply this. Our tongues have tremendous power for both good or evil. Uh, and, and Arthur talked to that today. Just like the amazing images of power that we have just seen, the tongue has tremendous power. A small part of the body has a very big impact. Good or bad. And you choose which way it's going to go. Far too often, the tongue's power is used for evil. But it can just as quickly be used for God. Good, but not as easily. It's a little more difficult to use it that way. But it can be either. Haven't you noticed this in your own life? You know, that, that this word of criticism, or, uh, and, and it just quickly comes out and it destroys maybe the person's self-esteem or their confidence. 
But if you offer to them the same person an encouraging word of praise, how it brings hope and healing to that person. And we do sincerely have the power to change somebody's life through what we say to them. If you speak into another person's life the grace of God, you speak into their life the healing of Jesus Christ, if you speak into them the will of God, it can change their lives. You have that power. And at the same time, if you deride them, if you criticize them, if you talk behind their back, if you participate in gossip about them, you have the power over their life to some degree as well. The evil uses of our tongue comes naturally as part of our fleshly nature. You don't even have to try. All you have to do is let go. All you have to do is say whatever you want to say. Not worry about it. Speak whatever you want to say. And, and you might want to try to excuse yourself for that, but that all is the impact and grows out of that fleshly nature that, that God sent Jesus to defeat. Thankfully, we can control our tongues with God's help. If we come under the control of God and His Holy Spirit, then our tongues can be used for good. But the power is there either way. That's the first point. Second point, our tongues are meant to glorify God. Our tongues are meant to help other people. That's why God created us. That's why he, God created our mouths. They're to be a source of, of blessing, a source of lifting others up, and yet sometimes it becomes a source of cursing someone. We can praise someone in one breath, and become violently critical of them in the next. This is as crazy, he says, as mixing both fresh water and salt water in the same spring. It doesn't happen. It's a physical impossibility that that would happen, and yet this device, this instrument in our mouths could do either at any moment, blessing or curse. Salt water or fresh. A tree or vine, he says, cannot produce something other than what it was designed to produce. So you don't go to an apple tree looking for peaches. You don't go to a vine looking for figs, he says. You go to that tree or vine looking for what God created it to produce because that's all it can produce. It's just in it to do that. And so that's what you're going to find there. And yet God created this to produce certain things and we have the choice which way we will go with that. God's design and desire for our tongues is for them to be an instrument to praise God with, to bless others with, but we often fail to achieve his design and desire. Our chief aim and purpose in life is to bring praise and glory to the one who made us. I don't know if you think this life is for you, but it's really not. It's for God. God created you so that you could honor him so that you could praise Him, so that you could serve Him, so that you could glorify Him by the way you live. And as uh, just talking with someone before the service today, he said, you know, this isn't my life. I belong to God. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live by faith in the, in the Son of God who gave His life for me. You know, this is not my life, it's not your life, it belongs to Him. And so this tongue is not my tongue, it belongs to Him. And what I do with my life, what I do with my speech, should glorify God, and it should help the people around me who need to know God. So here are our first two points. Our tongues have tremendous power for good or for evil, 
And our tongues are meant to glorify God and to help other people. So how do we do that? James has been so practical as we've gone through the pages of this book. And we've seen him saying, you know, if you would do this and not that, if you would listen more and speak less, uh, you know, you, your life would be better. And so we are expecting to have this practical word from James. And yet we look here at the end of this passage and he doesn't really say what to do about this. He says, here's the problem. Here's the dilemma. Here's the challenge. And he doesn't seem to offer any advice here. And we may look for that. We may say, where's the list of do's and don'ts? Where's the thus saith the Lord? And we may want to say to James, now wait a minute, you haven't, you haven't finished. You've got a little more to say here. Well, I'm waiting for the punchline. I'm waiting for the instruction. I'm waiting for the application of what you've just said. And he doesn't give it. Or at least it doesn't seem like he did. And we have to read between the lines. So let's go back to verses 9 through 12 again. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. How is it that out of the same mouth come blessings and curses? Fresh water and salty. Is it possible for a tree or vine to produce a type of fruit God never intended it to produce? Let's read between the lines here for a moment. What is he saying? He's saying in each of these things that he's just talked about, there's something behind it. There's a source. There's a place from which it comes. That salty or freshwater spring starts somewhere. A place that is hidden. You don't get to see that. You just see the water bubbling out of the ground. You see the stream coming from that. And you enjoy that, or maybe you say, I can't drink that, that's salty. And somewhere hidden... There is a source for this spring. Where is that source? What is that source? And when you go to a fruit tree, and this is an apple tree, and you recognize it by the leaves that are on it, and the style of bark and everything that tells you this is an apple tree, you find apples on it. How did that tree know to produce the apple that you eat? Well, there was this code given to it. God gave it this, this kind of genetic code, and it said... You know, this type of tree, this is what you're going to bear. This is what's going to come from you. You can't see that code. You can't go inside the tree and figure out how did the tree know what to put on its branches. But it was given to it, and that source that God gave it when he created the tree said, this is what you will produce. And in the same way, our tongue has a source. It has a place from which what we speak comes. What is that source? It's right here. It's your heart. It's my heart. And James is driving at that. You want to know why you put out blessings and curses both? you got some problems inside here. you got some things working wrong in here. Things that, that are not quite right. you got to get it started in the right place in the right way. And then what comes out as the production of the, the fruit of that salty or fresh, blessing or curse, really doesn't start here. It starts behind that, down at the source, in a hidden place. And that's what James is driving at here. That's what the Word of God is driving at here. 
a spring salty or fresh comes up from deep within the earth. A fruit magically appears according to the code that was given it. So that in order to control our tongues, we must first get our hearts right. You want to get control of your mouth? You want to not say the things that you've always been saying to people? And you say, man, where did that come from? Why did I do that? I did it again. I regret those words. I wish I could pull them back. I wish I could reel it all back in and act, you know, rewind and say, no, it never happened. And I can't. It's been spoken. It's been, the damage has been done. If you want to get that under control, here's where you work. You don't work on this. You work on this. It's all the difference in the world. We need to get our hearts where they need to be. We need to get our hearts right with God. And then we will start producing what we are meant to produce. Look what Jesus says in several places. First of all, Luke 6, 43 to 45. What did Jesus say? No good tree bears bad fruit, and nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up where? In his heart. For the mouth speaks what the how the, the heart is full of, or what of the overflow of the heart. It depends on your translation. The mouth can only say what's in here. And if there's a whole bunch of turmoil, a whole bunch of sin going on in here, then guess what? Your mouth is going to be out of control. It's going to be saying things you wish you hadn't said. And hurting people right and left. But if this heart is in the right place, and it is true to God, it is following God, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Because you're filling up your heart so that the overflow of that heart is good. Let's go to another verse, Matthew 12. Similar verse, but Jesus says it a little bit differently. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't expect the Pharisees to say anything better than that because they knew what was inside them. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Very similar, but two different occasions. Jesus says it a little bit differently. You could go on to another place. This is, this is Matthew 15, 11, and also 17 to 18. Jesus said this, A man is not defiled but by what enters his mouth, but by what comes out of it. People are asking him, Are you allowed to eat certain things? Jesus said, that's not what's going to defile you. It's what comes out. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Then Don't worry about that. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that defile them. When our mouth speaks, then it shows what's in our heart. It's that simple. Work on the heart, not your mouth. Martha, the big sister, is already jealous of the attention her little sister Emma is getting. So she criticizes everything Emma does. And she complains violently whenever her parents treat her little sister with favor. Bob is insecure about his position at work. So he looks for every chance to belittle others or to make them look bad when the boss is around. Or Deacon Jones 
thinks he knows better than anyone else in the church what the church should be doing and which preacher they ought to pick, Christian. Just been through that, church. So in a heated discussion, when they're discussing this, he says, if you guys hire so-and-so, that'll be the last time you see me and my family in this church. Where do people get these things? Where do they get these statements? Where do they, they, they do this? It comes in a heart that's not right. These are three examples of the way our mouths betray what's in here. We could give a hundred scenarios come every day in our lives. You could give your own list. In fact, I want to encourage you to just take a moment right now. Think over the last week or even over the last 24 hours, or maybe on the way to church today, and you said something you shouldn't have said. Where did that come from? How did that possibly slip out of your mouth as easily as melted butter? You know, just, wow, I regret that. I wish I hadn't said that. And it's just there. It's because there's a problem going on in here. Did you judge or criticize somebody unfairly recently? Did you lash out at someone, perhaps even your child, because you were angry about something else? Did you insist on doing things your way because you're not willing to humble yourself and admit that someone else may know better? Behind each of these situations is a heart that is in trouble, a heart that is not right with God and not right with other people. Behind our sarcastic comments, behind our arguments and our unfair criticisms of others, lies pride or, or self-centeredness or unresolved sin in our lives. You know, there's, there's a heart issue and it spills out, James says, and Jesus says, from the mouth. And what needs to happen in Martha's life or Bob's life or Deacon Jones' life or your life or mine is to humble ourselves before God to see what God wants us to say and do in any situation. And when we get all filled up with pride and our fleshly nature, it's no wonder that we say things that do not please or honor God. So if you have a heart problem, physically, what do you do? You go to the doctor. You find out, man, that hurts. i got this pain going down my arm. I, I have trouble when I start climbing steps or something. Suddenly... Not the way it used to be. So you go see a cardiologist, and he says, you got this problem. And uh, you go to see what needs to be done. You may need heart catheterization or surgery of some kind. But then again, you may just need daily medication of one kind or another. You don't know. I mean, you can't treat yourself on this kind of thing. That's inside. You can't get there. You don't know what you'd see when you got there. So depending on your symptoms... You may need just anything from a change in diet and exercise all the way up the list to open heart surgery or maybe even a heart transplant. There's this whole range of things that may be needed by you. So what you do is you find the best cardiologist in your area and you go to see him or her. You figure out which is the best one and you go and you say, what do I need to do, doctor? And when it comes to trouble in our hearts and minds spiritually, we go to Dr. Jesus. <laughs> Nobody else can see inside there. Nobody else knows what's going on inside there. You can go to your shrink. You can go to your friends. You can go to your spouse. They don't really know how to fix your heart. It's not their job. But Jesus is a specialist. Heart specialist. 
He knows exactly what you need. And it may only be a change of diet. You've got a diet problem here. You're eating the wrong stuff. You're not exercising your faith enough. You're not trusting me enough. That's a problem. You know what? I'm finding these little parts of your heart just not working right. We have to go in there and, and do something about that. You need a heart catheterization. You need whatever. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus, guess what? You need a new heart. We go to Dr. Jesus. We are foolish, very foolish, to try to fix our tongues on our own. James says, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We can't tame our tongues by ourselves because behind our tongues and the trouble they cause is broken hearts. Broken, messed up hearts. The only thing we can do is find Dr. Jesus to fix our hearts so that we will be able to praise God and help others with our lives. Harold Stulag wrote this. He says, James will not let us avoid this same excuse uh, these, this issue with excuses, with delays. He writes conscious that his readers worship together. You know, they come to church like this, and then they have fights and quarrels through the week. It's like, this doesn't make sense. How often do Christians, he said, sing praise to the Lord on Sunday and then leave the worship service with angry complaints about someone else they just worship the Lord with? How many families fight on their way to or from church and say things should never have been part of the conversation? Stulag continues, to the person who speaks praise to God in the worship service and then abuses people verbally at home or at work, James commands us, purify your speech. With the person who says, oh, I know I talk too much, and then laughs it off, James is not amused. (laughs) He insists, be quick to listen, slow to speak. By the person who boasts, I always speak my mind, that's just the way it is. No matter who, who gets hurt by that, I just say it. I speak the truth. James is not impressed by that. He commands to discipline your speaking. You don't get away with that. And the person who says, I know I gossip too much. I just can't help it. James still requires control your tongue. You don't need to say that. And of the person who is in the habit of speaking with insults or ridicule or sarcasm, James demands, clean it up. Clean up your speech. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to work on the source of what comes out of our mouths, and that is our heart. An undisciplined, out-of-control tongue is merely a symptom of a sin-sick heart, a heart that is not fully devoted to God. The mouth speaks whatever the heart is full of, Jesus said. So this morning I want to ask you, what is your heart filled up with? What are you eating? What are you taking in? What are you believing? What are you agreeing to? Are you living by the Spirit of God or by your fleshly nature? Because whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And if you want this to be better, then this has to get better. What are you doing about it? What are you asking God to do about it? I'm going to give you a few steps just to take home with you. Very simple. You need a list. You need something to look at, something that you can go from and say, okay, here's, here's what I need to do. This. I'm going to address this. First of all, pray. 
Best thing you can do is pray that God will help you to use your tongue wisely. Start your day with prayer. Continue with prayer throughout the day. Things are not going to get better until you do that. Secondly, make a decision that you're going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remember back in James 1.19? It says, you know, every one of us needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Thirdly, learn to pray and think before you speak. Uh, people may wonder, okay, give me your answer. What do you think? And you're praying. You're wondering, how should I answer that? Instead of that usual blurt, you know, that just comes out automatically, you're stopping and saying, let me choose my words carefully. Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. And then fourthly, behind it all, guard your heart. Work on your heart. Get it right with God. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's simple. Straightforward. It's easy. But it's not so easy. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this time to study your word together. And, and I know that uh, we will leave here and we'll have a struggle with this in the few minutes minutes after we've left. There will be something happen that we want to say something about. Some way we want to react. And we are so quick to get involved, to, to say something maybe didn't even need to be said. Help us to pray. Help us to choose our words carefully. Help us to think before we speak and even be slow to do so. Lord, change our hearts because that's really where the most valuable work can be done. Uh, help us to evaluate why we say what we say and how we, we treat people and the attitudes that we carry influence what our bodies do. Uh, the source is our heart. And so we pray that we would have a new heart, a heart created uh, by you, a heart governed and controlled by you, a heart led by your Spirit. For children, for teens, for adults, we have one prayer. Lord, teach us to control our tongue by your grace and by your power, that you may be glorified and that others may be drawn to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.